Well, hey, if you uh, have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. If you need a Bible, you can stick your hand up in the air. Somebody will come around and give you one. Leave your hand up until they get to you. But if you've got a Bible or you're getting a Bible, open the Bible to the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai. And if uh, you're not sure what that is, you can use the table of contents. If you want to just go for it, if you make it to the New Testament, back up two books into the Old Testament. Haggai is where we're going to spend our time. Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. So make sure that you get there. Haggai chapter 1. One announcement, the only announcement, you got to hear this. Today is the last day to sign up for Collide. It is it. Like at 11.59.59, when the clock strikes 12, it's game over. The registration shuts down. So if you have not signed up because you're just waiting around, don't wait any longer. Leave here. Go sign up. If you've got a friend that's on the fence about it, just spam their inbox of their text messages with a link. Just over and over again. Annoy them with it. Because today is it. We cannot let anybody in after... After today is over, so please, oh, please, oh, please make sure that you sign up. It, I, listen, I don't know the future, but gosh, I can almost guarantee it will be one of the greatest weekends of your year. So don't miss out on it. Barry.church slash collide. Send it to your friends. Make sure that you sign up. If you have not, you will not, you will not want to miss it. All right, so uh, we're going to start a brand new series. Actually, it's only going to go for two weeks, but let's think about it like this. When we think about priorities, generally for us, when we think about prioritizing things, we think about listing them out, right? That's just how we think. We think in bullet points, we think in lists. That's just how it goes in the West. And so if you were going to prioritize something to prove that you've prioritized it, you would say, I've prioritized it because I've moved it toward the top of the list, or I've actually made it the top thing on the list. So that is proof that I've prioritized it. And that works just fine, well, and good with like mundane day-to-day tasks, like do my homework, like wash the car, like feed the dog. Totally fine. Totally fine for those to move up and prove that you've prioritized those things. With mundane tasks, it works, but it doesn't just apply across the board. Think about it like this. Ladies, just think about it like this. Your future husband one day is like, yo, you're, you are my number one girl on my list. That wouldn't be cool. Like none of you are like, oh my gosh, that is the sweetest thing that you've ever said to me. Why? Because there's a list. It's like, yo, I'm going to stab you. There shouldn't be a list, man. Right? No matter how much he wants to say, hey, I prioritize you at the top of the list. You're number one. But just by saying that, it proves like there's a number two, bro. This isn't okay. Right? So it's not just enough for us to say prior, the things we prioritize are the things we move to the top of the list. It doesn't work across the board. With mundane tasks, day-to-day tasks, works. Relationships doesn't work that way. And I say that because... You live in a world that is getting busier and busier and faster and faster. And there are many, many things that are, that are buying for your time. that are drawing you in to say, focus here or focus here or focus here. And as a result, your priorities get all out of whack. And, I, and let me just put my cards on the table. We ought to get our priorities right by prioritizing the purposes of God. Now, what does that mean? Should we say, should we say, okay, well, my Instagram says God first. I have the motto in my life, God first. Is that really it? We put God number one. That's what it means to prioritize the purposes of God. Well, I think it's not enough just to say, God, you're number one. I think rather, God is just not one on the list. God owns the list. And so, prioritizing the purposes of God means 
God, I'm fixed on you and what you desire and what you call me to do and where you want me to go. And I will make lists based on that reality. That you're God and you are my priority. Your purposes are my priority. And so every priority that comes underneath that will come off of that reality. That you're God and you own the list. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to be, or for, for two weeks, we're going to be in this series called Priorities, Revealing What We Value Most. Because here's the deal. We prioritize what we value most. And what we prioritize, we always pursue. What you value, you prioritize, and what you prioritize, you pursue. And so I hope that as we look at this book called Haggai, we would get this example from the Israelite people. And we would learn from them what it doesn't mean and what it means to prioritize the purposes of God. So I'm going to read Haggai chapter 1, 1 through 15. So just follow along with me. Uh, just follow along the story with me and we'll break it down in just a minute. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lie, this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does, does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it. And that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Okay, so that's a lot. Let me set up. Let me set up what's happened prior to this. The people of God, the Israelite people, have been in have been in exile in Babylon because God said, "Look, if you're not going to obey, what's going to happen is this other kingdom's going to come in. They're going to wipe you out." So that's exactly what happens. The Babylonians come in. They rout Jerusalem. They rout the Israelite people. And guess what happens? God sends them into exile into Babylon for seventy years. Then the kingdom of Persia comes in and routs Babylon. They beat them down. Now the kingdom of Persia is in charge, and the kingdom of Persia looks at the Israelite people and says, "Hey, you can go back to Jerusalem." So they're like, sweet. Then, so a, par, a portion of the Israelite people head back to Jerusalem. What is wrong in Jerusalem? It's destroyed because the Babylonians came through and routed it. Houses are destroyed. Farm crops are destroyed. The temple is destroyed. It is laying in ruins. And that's what they walk back into. 
So their intention as they go back is we're going to rebuild Jerusalem. We're going to rebuild our city. This is where we are from. And what do they start doing? They start rebuilding their own homes. And they start replowing their own fields. And the prophet Haggai shows up in verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Haggai speaks to the leaders of those people. And he says, all of these people think it's not time to rebuild the house of God because they're too fixed on their own houses and their own fields. What does he say in verse 3? And the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses while the house, while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. God is speaking through the prophet Haggai and saying to them, do you really have the right priorities here? Do you really have the right priorities? Because the reality is this. They have prioritized their own personal gain and their own personal comfort over the purposes of God. They have prioritized their own personal comfort and their own personal gain over the purposes of God. And if we're not careful, we will do the same thing. With good things, right good things. Is it good for them to rebuild their houses? Yes. Is it good for them to replow their fields? Yes. Not while forsaking the purposes of God, though. So, do we have misplaced priorities? Do we put our own personal gain and comfort over the purposes of God? Maybe in good things. Some things that we generally misuse is our, our time. Are we prioritizing our personal comfort and our personal gain with our time? It's good things. You can use time for good things. I'm not just talking about evil things. I'm saying with time, you can work on school. With time, you can come to church. With time, you can love on your family. With time, you can play sports. Those are good things. But are we prioritizing those for our own personal comfort and gain or prioritizing them for the purposes of God? What about your money? You can use money for good things. Food, clothing, even helping people. But are we prioritizing that for our own personal gain for the purposes of God? What about our talents and abilities? Those are good things. Some of you are brilliant. Some of you are so good at sports. Some of you are so creative. Are you using those things to prioritize your own personal comfort and gain or to prioritize the purposes of God? Maybe you can ask yourself this question to reveal whether or not you have misplaced priorities. Is what I am doing an effort to advance God's agenda or my own? Is what I am doing with my time, is what I am doing with my money, is what I am doing with my abilities and talents, is what I am doing with those things to advance God's agenda or my own? Because if the, if the answer is my own, you've found that you have misplaced priorities. Well, maybe the question from you is this. So then, does that just mean... Does, that, does, does having the right priorities just mean like we should just read our Bible all the time, be praying all the time, be at church all the time, or, or like do those things and say, yo, I do this for God and point up at the sky and then we've got right priorities? No. It would be, it would be great for you to prioritize reading the scriptures and praying 
and being at church with the people of God. Those are right good things, but those are only products of, results of people who have prioritized the purposes of God. Those are not the only things that God is after. The purposes of God are far greater than that. Those three things, those four things, are just just a few results of what it looks like to prioritize the purposes of God. We should read the Bible. We should pray. We should be at church. We should give glory to God for the abilities that we have, for the, for the things that God has given us. We ought to return praise to God for that. But that's not all that it looks like to prioritize the purposes of God. To prioritize the purposes of God is to be consumed by that. It's to say, I will leave behind what you need me to leave behind. I will begin what you need me to begin. I will go where you want me to go. I will stay where you want me to stay. Because God, your purposes are greater than mine. I have prioritized them over my personal gain, over my personal comfort. So if it costs me gain, if it costs me comfort, I will go your way because I've prioritized your purposes over my own. That is how you know whether or not you have placed your priorities rightly. Now, the question hopefully is, why would you want to do this? What would be the motivation? Well, we get some help from the Israelite people. Look back at verse 7. This is what the prophet Haggai says to them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about your life. Verse 8, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. Why? That I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. What is God saying? The motivation for them to obey what God said to do. Hey, why should we go and rebuild the temple? Why should we prioritize the purposes of God over building our own homes? This is what God says in verse 8. Because I take pleasure in it and I'm glorified by it. The first motivation that you have to prioritize the purposes of God is that God is pleased when you do that and he gets tons of glory from it. And that by itself ought to be enough for us to go that way. That God is pleased when we prioritize his purposes and he gets tons of glory from it. And if you're thinking in your brain, that seems really selfish of God. It seems really selfish of God for him to say, hey, do what I want, prioritize my purposes, because then I get glory from it. If you're thinking that's really selfish of God, it's not selfish, it's kind. Because whatever is pleasing to God and whatever is glorifying to God is ultimately for our greatest benefit. God will not ask you to do something that he is pleased with and glorified by that is not ultimately for your greatest benefit because that's what God is about. Listen, you don't have, so often we get tricked into thinking if we're going to live a life that's glorifying to God, it means that it will not be for our good. That's false. God is actually inviting you into the fullest life possible. So to live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to God is actually to live a life that is for your greatest benefit. The problem is we've just believed lie after lie about what actually is the good life. So we ought to prioritize the purposes of God because God's pleased with it and glorified by it. And ultimately, that's for our benefit. That's ultimately for our benefit. Second thing that we should be motivated by to prioritize the purposes of God. Because the consequences of not prioritizing the purposes of God are significant. The consequences are significant. The consequences of unfaithfulness are significant. Look at verse 9. This is God speaking. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? 
declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought in the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors. What's the consequence of not prioritizing the purpose of God for these people and for us? Lack of blessing. God withholds his blessing from his people here in Haggai because they are not prioritizing the purposes of God. Did you see what it says? It's like, look, you've worked really hard. You've gone into the fields and you've just worked your butts off to harvest stuff. And you harvested so little with all that work that the wind blew and now all of it's gone. You just had, that was how, that was how small the crop was that you worked for. And even more than that, God doesn't just say like, hey, there's not enough. It's not, it's not just that. God sends a drought. God actively disciplines them. God actively pulls his blessing away from them to focus their eyes on what's most important. And listen, when our priorities are not right, often God will withhold blessing as a means for us to open our eyes and write our priorities. He will withhold blessing that, that maybe, maybe life will feel a little bit more chaotic because our priorities are not right. Maybe the question you're asking is, so does that mean if my circumstances are bad, it's because God is trying to get my attention? The answer to that is, maybe. The way that you would figure that out is to do what the prophet Haggai says to the people. Consider your ways. Examine your life. What are you devoted to? If, if life feels a little chaotic, like, like, like there's lack of blessing, it's, it's certainly worth asking the question, what have I devoted myself to? Am I prioritizing the purposes of God or am I prioritizing my personal gain? Maybe that will help reveal where your priorities are. Now, I want to be real clear, really, really clear. Withholding blessing and you experiencing evil are two different things. So you should not think if you have experienced evil, the death of a loved one, if you have been abused in some kind of way, on and on that could go. That's not because God is trying to just discipline you and open your eyes. That's not what's happening. Why? Because God never acts evil toward you, ever. It's against who he is. It's contrary to his character, there is a difference, a great difference, and you experiencing the loving discipline of God and the brokenness of the world because of sin. One is very different than the other. The death of a loved one, the fact that you have faced abuse, that your, your parents' marriage blew up, that's not God saying, hey, pay attention, open your eyes, you must not be devoted to me. That's not what's happening. That's you experiencing the brokenness of the world because of sin. However, if you're experiencing lack of blessing, 
lack of intimacy with God. Maybe if you're saying things like, I just, I'm just not, not hearing God like I used to. I'm not experiencing God like I, like I used to. It's worth you considering your ways. It's worth you examining your life and saying, what are my priorities? Is it my own personal gain or is it the purposes of God? When God disciplines, and God disciplines the Israelites, he sends a drought. When God disciplines, Hebrews 12 says God disciplines us as sons. When God disciplines, it's because he loves us. So God never disciplines in a way just to watch you squirm. God disciplines you to draw you in, not make you hurt. He disciplines us as his kids. The last reason that would motivate us to get right priorities, to prioritize the purposes of God, the last reason that we would be motivated to do that, because when we do so, we gain intimacy with God. When we do so, we gain intimacy with God. I've, I, I'm reading this from implied from the text. You're not going to see that phrase in the text, but here's why I'm implying that. Because what is God asking to do? Stop building your houses. Rebuild the temple. What's the temple for? To house the presence of God among his people. God is inviting them into intimacy. God is inviting them into prioritizing his purposes for the sake of intimacy with his people. God wants to dwell with his people. This is always what God has been doing. If you're not careful, you can read this and God can seem like a, like a, like he's got his feelings hurt and he's really salty. And he's just like, you guys are building your own houses and not hang out with me. But that's not what God is doing. God is saying, stop, stop prioritizing your own personal gain. Start prioritizing what I have purposed because what I have purposed is actually for your good. Because if you would build the temple, I would come and dwell with you. God desires to dwell with his people. Think about, this is always what has been happening. Think about in the garden. Where was God? He dwelled with man. And even post-sin, they get cast out of the garden. They wander in the wilderness. And what happens? They say, build the tabernacle. Why? So I can come and dwell with you. And they get out of the wilderness and they build this temple. Why? So that God can dwell with man. And in the greatest way, God takes on flesh and becomes Emmanuel, God with us, because he wants to dwell with us. And Jesus comes and lives the perfect life that you and I could not and dies the death that you and I deserve because of our sin and is raised from the grave. Why? So that we could dwell with God and God could dwell with us. It's always what God's been after. God is inviting us into intimacy. When we prioritize the purposes of God, God is inviting us into relationship. You might think God is inviting you into rules. All the while, God is inviting you into a relationship that's far greater than just following rules. So we would prioritize the purposes of God because God gets tons of glory from it, because the consequences of not are great, and because we gain intimacy with God when we do so. If you have ever, ever been in a season of life where you have thought, I just wish 
I just wish that I could hear from God. I, like, I, like I come, I come to the Bible and I read it and I'm like, gosh, that is the most confusing thing I've ever read in my life. You should press into that and ask, what am I prioritizing? Purposes of God or my own personal gain? Now, hopefully the question that you have is this. What do we do now? Okay, kid, I, maybe you, you've, I've helped you realize maybe your priorities are a little bit out of whack. You've prioritized your own personal gain or comfort over the purposes of God, and you are thinking in your brain, how is it, how is it that I prioritize the purposes of God? This is for me also. How do we prioritize the purposes of God? Here's the first thing. You ought to repent. You ought to turn away from prioritizing the wrong things. If you're prioritizing your personal gain with your time, your money, your talents, whatever, turn from that. It won't give you what you want. Think about it with these people. They thought rebuilding their houses, replowing their fields would give them everything they wanted. But what happened? God said, look, you worked really hard for a little crop. You worked really hard for no wine. You got a little bit of money and you put it in a bag with holes. You worked really hard for something that you thought would satisfy, and it didn't. So turn from that and come to something that's far more satisfying. Come to something that's far more satisfying, to the purposes of God. So turn from those things and turn to the purposes of God. Just confess it to God. Maybe in these next moments, when we have a time to respond, you would just spend some time saying to God, God, I have prioritized the wrong things, and my intention is to prioritize your purposes. Help me prioritize your purposes purposes. I want to be about your agenda, not my own. But after we repent, what do we do? Look at verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people. So now everybody involved, what did they do? They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. So you should repent, and then you should obey God. You should do what God says. Prioritizing his purposes look like living how God desires you to live. Do what God desires. Go where God wants you to go. Do what God calls you to do. There's a promise attached to that. Look at verse 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. The people obey God, and what does God bring? Presence. So hear me. Sometimes obedience is scary. Sometimes obedience can cause anxiety. I get that. God will never, ever call you to step out in obedience to a place that he will not go with you. God promises presence. He says to the people as they step out in obedience, I'm with you. I'm with you. That ought to be comforting to us. So we should repent and we should obey. We should, we should obey. And maybe you're here with this. Kid, I hear you. And I think, I think it's right to prioritize the purposes of God. But if I'm really honest with you, Cade, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. I know it's right. I just don't have the desire to do so. So what do I do? Look at verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Verse 12. 
they obeyed God. They stepped out in obedience. And then in verse 14, God gave them a desire to do so. Sometimes, sometimes, you need to step out in obedience regardless if you have the desire to do so or not. Because in stepping out in obedience, God meets you and gives you that desire. I'm not saying that you shouldn't want to desire obedience. I hope that God would transform you to the kind of person that just naturally desires to obey because you know it's best. But in the moments when you just are having a hard time and you're like, I know this is right. I know I ought to do. I know I ought to go. I know I ought to be fill in the blank. But I just don't desire to do it. You still should step out in obedience and trust that when you step in obedience, God stirs up the desire in you. Just like he did with these people. They obeyed what God said, and God stirred them up the desire to do what he said. So maybe, maybe prioritizing for you looks like pushing through, I know I ought to read my Bible. I just don't want to. What if you pushed through that because you knew, you knew that this is what priorities look like, and then as you did it, God gave you a desire for it. And the more and more you read, the more and more you want to read. The more and more you pray, the more and more you want to pray. Because what you're finding is that God actually speaks through his word. That God actually meets you through prayer. So if you're cautious because of desire, you ought to step out in obedience anyway. Because God meets us there and gives us desire. Prioritizing the purposes of God look like being consumed with what God wants, saying, I want to be about God's agenda and not my 